I was just speechless because it was almost like when someone says something to you and you just so caught off guard and you like, huh? Like it just, it didn't make sense for me to be as strategic and as calculated as I am. I'm like, this doesn't add up. How could I fail? Hey you, welcome to the Surrender to Thrive podcast, a podcast that encourages Black healers to put themselves first. I'm Melanie, founder of Surrender to Thrive and clinical mental health therapist. And I'm Victoria, licensed professional counselor and founder of Trust Between Us, a safe place to store your thoughts. Every week, we'll be sitting down with folks from our community to have intimate conversations and take a holistic and honest dive into what it means to be well. Alright y'all, enough of the professional intros because we getting all in our feelings today. <laughs> so get comfy and join us for this week's episode. Hey y'all, it's Mel here and on today's episode we are holding space for our friend Grace as she recounts her journey and it's a journey of disappointment you know disappointment embarrassment sorrow grief you know all the feelings that come with feeling like we failed you know and I think a lot of times when we do see people you know whether it be celebrities or anybody close in our circle um, whoever friends all the people that we see who are accomplishing so many things but we never really get to see the journey, the process, the work, <laughs> you know, the tears, the, the lessons that come with this process called life, this journey called life. And I think Grace beautifully and authentically expressed her journey to surrendering and reclaiming her joy and, you know, get some tea, get a drink. You know, or if you're in a car on your way to work or to the gym, you know, it's, it's almost summer. So I know some of us, some of us is in the gym <laughs> um, or you washing dishes, cooking, whatever, like join us as we hold space for her and see what resonates for you, especially when it comes to navigating the most difficult times that come with trying to trying to get to the finish line and then realizing like it ain't one and I think Grace said it you know beautifully when she was like you know she was in this race and she got to the finish line and and couldn't cross it and sometimes this journey is going to reroute us and not just one time not just twice (laughs) not three times you know many times and in the end, we're always where we're supposed to be. Um, so yeah, ain't gonna hold you too longer, too much longer. So please enjoy this episode. Let us know how you're loving it. Um, you can reach us on Instagram at surrender the number two thrive underscore. Um, Grace and Vic's info will also be in the show notes. So y'all, here it is. And so I have my life planned with a backup plan and then a backup plan to the backup plan (laughs) and so um 
I've had a few curveballs in the last year and just the last decade has just been tumultuous in at least one area of my life. And the past year for me has been significantly harder because it was the first time that I felt like almost every area of my life was falling apart. And learning to grapple with that and learning how to be comfortable with something that was so uncomfortable has probably been the hardest journey of my life so far that I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the audience that does not know this, um, I'm coming up on a year almost since I've graduated from my graduate nurse anesthesia program. And um, I experienced a lot of trauma throughout my graduate education, both personally and professionally. Um, And just throughout my career track, I had been so one-track minded, so hyper-focused that even though I was in therapy regularly, um, you know, just healing from my divorce and everything, just the day-to-day, it was all I could do to stay afloat. So therapy, it was helping to deal with like my present realities in a sense that I was acknowledging them and I was recognizing them for the first time and kind of getting some tools to cope with it. But it was very much moment by moment. Um, And honestly, like the last seven to 10 years of my life has really felt like an endurance test. And Vic, I feel like you can probably understand where I'm coming from as a runner because I'm not a runner. OK, I only run unless something or somebody <laughs> is chasing me um, because just the feeling of like exerting so much energy and the fact like, OK, like I can't breathe. It's cold out here. Like I'm sweating. Why? Like I just don't get it. Like, I'm yeah, I'm not a runner. But I feel like the last decade has felt like an endurance test. Every fiber of my being has been centered on making it to the next step, jumping the next hurdle, and then the next, and then the next, Um, trying to get to this finish line. Because to me, I'm just like, all I got to do is graduate. And then my life is going to be exactly what I worked so hard for it to be. And so that's what I've been telling myself. And that's how I've kind of coped. I created this future reality that I had been working so hard to get to. And then it's like, once I get to that point, then I can rest and then I can relax. And so it had worked well for me. Until it didn't. Um, (laughs) So I graduated from school and started preparing and studying for my board exam. Um, I had a job lined up. I had my whole life, my apartment, everything was packed up. My partner and I had this plan, like we were moving, we were relocating. My job, I had a start date. Um, We had finalized plans on a house finally secured that house, like everything was stepped and planned out. All I had to do was pass my boards. And so I was like, boom, I got it. I've I've been had it. Despite me getting divorced, despite me losing, you know, my aunt, despite me surviving a house fire, despite me, you know, like all these things that had been happening to me, I'm just like, I'm good. Like it happened, but I'm still here and I'm going to keep going. So um, last summer, I had all these plans and I set out and I studied. I took my time and sat down for my board exam. I don't even remember the weekday, but I know that <laughs> it's almost laughable now. It was definitely not funny then, but I, um, whatever day it was, like I had a trip booked 
like the next day because like I'm like I know I'm gonna pass and then my life is gonna begin and like a lot of my classmates had like taken time off from school some of them like took like a month or so off Um, people took trips because really like it was a a three-year intensive graduate program all year round there were no breaks really and I worked almost full-time the entire time and it's a very rigorous program. They do not recommend that you work or have a job. There are even some programs throughout the country that they make you sign a contract that says you won't work. And if they find out that you are, then you'll get dismissed. Luckily, my program was not that way, but it was also one of those things where it's like, if you were struggling academically or you couldn't keep up, there was very little grace because to them, it's like you have worked hard to be here. So we expect you to be here. And I don't know if there are any other fields that are comparable to medicine in that way that is so all or nothing. Like, I feel like in some disciplines, there's a little more flexibility. There's a little more give and take. There's a lot more balance. Um, Working as a nurse, I work 12, 13 hour shifts. That's half a day. So it doesn't leave very much room for you to get off work. You know, you can probably go to the grocery store, maybe do one or two things, but, you know, just not a lot of space. And so pursuing an advanced practice degree and knowing ahead of time, being the planner that I am, that that was my goal, I knew the sacrifices that I was going to make. What I didn't know that um, was that my spouse at the time that I started school with, who was supposed to be helping with the financial load, I didn't know that we would get divorced and separate after my first semester. I didn't know that I would have to figure out not even being a year in the program. Okay, what is this going to look like for me financially? I had never lived on my own as an adult because I got married at 18. So my first home was shared um, by my spouse. And so it was a lot of figuring out that I had to do in the moment. And, you know, being a nurse, critical care, um, critical thinking and acting fast and making decisions was my strong suit. Um, And so it translated pretty easily in my personal life. I took it very um, practically, methodically, strategically, like planned it out. Okay, if I got to move by this date, what are things that has to be done? Reverse engineering and creating lists. Okay, I'm going to do this by this time. Okay, I got to do that. And so it really just kind of perpetuated like this you know, going, going, doing, doing lifestyle that I was used to. Um, And again, like I said, it has served me very well. I just didn't account for life and I didn't account for the impact of life on me and my mental and emotional health. And so um, I take my exam and Honestly, I can't even remember that attempt very much. Like, I remember going into the place and, you know, sitting down, taking the exam. And I remember walking out with a piece of paper because they give you, it prints out and it tells you, you know, your preliminary results, results pass, excuse me, or fail. And I had, again, this planned out. I was like, I'm not going to look at the results. I'm going to walk out and my partner's going to be there waiting for me with the car. And then he's going to read me the results. And then we're going to move on with the rest of our lives. Honey child. First of all, I get outside. It's June and it is hot, like super, super hot. 
I walk outside, I get my phone and I turn it on. And the first thing I remember um, recognizing was how much time had passed. Cause I was like, wow, I've been in there that long. So the lady's giving me my stuff and then the paper prints and she hands it to me face down. And I'm nervous. My heart is pounding, but I'm like, you got this. Like you've taken how many tests before you've taken and passed how many tests before, like whatever. So I walk outside and my partner was not there. So now I'm texting him and I'm, and I'm like, where are you at? Cause like, you know, and he's like, okay, I'm down the street. Give me a few minutes. So in the time that it takes him to get back to me, like my anticipation, I just couldn't wait. So I'm like, you know what? You were not where you were supposed to be. So I'm just going to do this. And then I'll pretend to be surprised when he get here. I was the one surprised when I flipped that paper over. I was just speechless because it was almost like when someone says something to you and you just so caught off guard and you like, huh? Like it just it didn't make sense for me to be as strategic and as calculated as I am. I'm like, this doesn't add up. How could I fail? How could I not pass? And so that really changed a lot. And then, like I said, I had a trip planned. And so now I'm having to, you know, go on this trip, take this trip, do these activities that I planned that's supposed to be celebratory. And I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? And then on top of that, I've got friends and family and everyone texting me, you know, congratulations. Let me know when you're done. I know you got this. You know, people checking in on me like, how did it go? And I'm just still sitting there like, what the fuck? Like, what do I do now? And that moment for me was something that I had never really felt before because it has such a domino effect on everything else. Like I'm used to small, you know, minor things not going my way. I'm used to making small adjustments. Okay, that didn't work out. But, you know, again, plan B. This was not my plan B. This was my, you know, like this was my life. This was the culmination of all the other decisions that I had been making up until that point. Hey, it's Mel again. And I know, I know, I know. Y'all want to get back to the episode. But can you do us a favor real quick? Spread the love by sharing this episode or any episode with your close friends and family. Or leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Your support and review means everything to us, and it allows more people like you to join our community. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. I've been running this race for so long, and I get to the finish line, and I can't cross it. And I don't know what to do about it. And so that somewhat began my journey of becoming unapologetically in progress because I'd had no other choice. Um, Like I said, it was like a domino effect. I immediately, well, not immediately, but like after my trip and I came back, I gave myself that week to just relax because I hadn't. Again, like I graduated on a Saturday that next Monday. I started studying. And so I'm like, okay, enjoy your trip. You paid for it. You labored for it. You know, you still worked hard, even though 
you didn't pass, you know, like you still deserve this time. Um, which it was hard for me because that dichotomy of being on a trip that's supposed to be a celebration that was riddled with so much grief and sorrow and then having to come back home and like pick up the pieces and like figure out like, okay, well, what do I do? Also realizing that everything that I had done, or not everything, but at least in my mind at that point, like everything that I had done wasn't working. Because if it worked, then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be where I was. Um, and so I communicated that with my job. And, you know, initially, like people were very supportive. They were, you know, understanding give yourself some time, give yourself some grace, you know, it's okay, you know, it does happen, not everybody passes on the first time, it's not an indication of who you are, and how smart you are, you know, all these things, all these accolades and affirmations, um, and I got some support from my school and some classmates that, um, that I'm close to, ended up getting partnered with a tutor who specializes in students who either have struggled and not passed um, boards before or who are currently like in their graduate programs and are struggling academically. Um, so I reached out to a tutor and started working with the tutor and um, getting more targeted tips on studying specifically for this exam, because I mean, I've taken exams all throughout my, you know, academic career. Um, and even like my undergraduate nursing exam was similar, but just different because um, it's just it's it's not the same and I can't even try to describe it just believe me when I say that it's a lot <laughs> um and so I started working with the tutor and I felt like in a lot of ways it was very beneficial um one of the things that my tutor highlighted was just the emotional and mental aspect of studying for this type of exam and just the weight that it holds um because again, like most people in this situation, they've gone three years outside of the workforce. They have not worked. They don't have an income. You know, we were living off student loans and I used my part-time job where, you know, um, I was able to supplement, you know, my student loans because it wasn't enough to live on my own. And then any break that I had from school, I pretty much spent working. And that was the money that I saved and kind of had for emergencies. And so um, not only are you trying to study for this exam, but you also have the financial implications of, okay, how do I pay bills? You've got the mental and emotional you know, aspect of just not having balance for so long and then still having to figure out, okay, how do I live when everyone around me is telling me you have to eat, sleep, breathe, anesthesia, like there's no room for anything else. The only way you can be successful as if you give your time and attention and energy 100% to this. And, you know, that's what I've been told. That's what I believed. You know, that's what I embodied. And I'm just like, okay, I did all those things. I did everything right, but it didn't work for me. Um, and then having to sit with that and work through things and, you know, well, what's wrong with me? And I, you know, would see some of my other classmates they will go on to take boards and pass the first time around and have totally different experiences. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong? What did I do to deserve this? Searching for meaning. Because I didn't know what else to do. Like, I couldn't make sense of it. Like, nothing makes sense. Um, and one of the first things that my therapist 
had encouraged me to consider or reconsider is that sometimes there is no meaning. Sometimes things simply are what they are because they are. And she said, oftentimes, if there is meaning to be found in something, we we usually never know what that is until after we've moved through it. Which did not help me at all. Because I'm like, look, <laughs> is this what I'm paying you for? <laughs> <laughs> and so like every coping mechanism, everything that I had learned and adapted to doing and utilizing up until that point, it wasn't helping. Like it wasn't comforting. No one could do this for me. Everyone was supportive. But at the same time, it was like, it's up to me. And I felt like in failing my exam, I was failing myself because I'm like, I can come through for everybody else. I'm an excellent provider for my patients. I'm an excellent friend and partner in all these ways. And for me, it was frustrating because it's like, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, why can't we do this? Like, what is it? And I retook the exam, I want to say maybe two months after that, um, after my first attempt. And that attempt felt different. I remember that one almost vividly. I was very calm. I felt like I was in a good place mentally. I had curated a more balanced studying um, routine. And I had begun to kind of take more stock and consideration into the toll that my body and my mind had been under for the last, you know, three years while I was in school and beyond that, just with, you know, my marriage and the emotional abuse and like everything else. And even though that I had known before that, that I had suffered from PTSD, it was mostly like a title. It's like, oh, okay, I got PTSD or an explanation for like certain you know, responses, like if I had a sympathetic response to something, it's like, oh, okay, that's just my PTSD. But again, it's like, okay, moving on. Cause like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to have PTSD. Like I know I have it, you know, in theory, but I don't have time for that because I got patients, because I got bills, because I got to not be here. I got shit to do. <laughs> um, and so my body and my mind was pretty much saying like, we can't, like we have done what we can do and we need you to listen to us. And so in the eight weeks I was studying and I was shifting my perspective and my practices, having a more balanced study routine, actually paying attention to my mental and emotional health and um, really not even using mindfulness and um, my other practices as a reward which I hadn't realized up until that point that I was doing. Um, but again, just like being conditioned in that medical realm where it's like work comes first, everybody else comes first, your patients come first, your job comes first, your responsibilities come first, you are second, you are last. Um, and so for the first time, I'm like, okay, I have to be a priority. I can't keep pushing myself. Um, I've been treading water for the last decade there is no land in sight. So if I'm going to make it and if I'm not going to drown, I have to figure out a way to conserve my energy because otherwise it's not going to work. My body is literally giving out. And maybe, maybe my experience would be different if I wasn't a Black woman having these same experiences because there are cultural and societal 
nuances and challenges and barriers that are very specific to me that is harder to explain and be validated just because, you know, of their nature. Um, and so that further complicated things, um, which later kind of resurfaced um, after my second attempt, whereas I felt like I had more of a mental and emotional balance. I was taking the exam. I was calm. Um, I was thinking through the questions and everything was going well. I didn't even look at the time clock because you're timed. I didn't even look at like what question I was on. I wasn't tracking the numbers. I was simply just being present in the moment, something that I hadn't really afforded myself to do up until that point. So it's almost like I went from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I was like, this feels great. This is wonderful. I am calm. I am not stressed. I know this stuff. You got this. I'm, you know, reading the questions, I'm clicking and I'm going on and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it gets to a point to where there was like a pop-up that came up and it said, you have six minutes remaining. And like immediately, like my heart started racing. I was like, huh? It kind of pulled me out of this trance because I was on a roll. And I was like, what? So then at that moment, I look up. I was like on question number 145 and the maximum amount of questions that you can take like 170 and I had six minutes left to potentially take you know 25 30 more questions and I'm like okay don't freak out like you got this um because the exam can shut off at any point once it has reached you know a, a pass fail decision so I'm like okay you got to be close just focus on the question in front of you do your best, you know, but it's like my palms were sweating, my heart was racing, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. I hadn't even considered running out of time. I was just being present. And I ran out of time. The exam shut off, and I get up, I get my print out. My partner was on post this time. He was ready, y'all. <laughs> and I handed him the paper, and he looks at it, and he was just like, I'm sorry, babe. You didn't pass. And I wept because not that I wasn't doing my best before, but I'm like, okay, I'm doing my best and I have a tutor. I'm doing my best and I've been putting work and being more intentional and being balanced. And it's like, is this not the goal? Like, is this not, you know, what all the Instagram therapists and everyone has been telling me, like, I'm doing it right this time, y'all. And it's like, it's not working. And I had a therapy session strategically scheduled <laughs> for the day after um, my second exam. And I was just unpacking it and talking about it. And um, in that session, she stops me and she said, have you ever been evaluated for ADHD? And I laughed because I thought she was joking. And she was like dead serious. And I was like, no. I said, I'm not a five-year-old boy. They can't sit still. And she was like, well, that's not really what it is. She's like, a lot of people mistakenly think that ADHD means that you can't pay attention. And she's like, but in reality, it means that you just have a uh, trouble focusing and prioritizing and she's like specifically for you you know you exhibit signs you know just with your anxiety um, and hyperactivity sometimes that could possibly overlap with ADHD it could possibly explain you know some of your responses and you know some of the reasons why you 
struggle with the things that you struggle with. Um, being a highly empathet- uh, empathetic person and then also being highly educated. You take in everything in the room. And it's not that you can't focus, but it's like it's so much that you take in that you get overwhelmed and it's hard for you to be able to just see and focus and zero in on one thing. So she had suggested that I get um, psychological evaluation. And um, I did. Um, where I set out to um, like get those steps, which, you know, was a long process because, of course, you can't just schedule and psyche now in like seven days. So I reached out to my school like the same day and I was like, yep, I was unsuccessful again. And um, the printout that you get is more preliminary. Like it doesn't tell you any details about your score or what areas you were weak in or not. That information goes to your school. So the next day, my program director, she messages me and she says, I don't know if this would serve you well or not to know this, but you failed by one point. So. Yeah. One point. And again, being in a place in my life where I'm trying not to search for meaning that may not exist and just trying to be present and just accept the reality that I'm in. That was hard because I'm like one point. If I had more time. I would have passed. It wasn't that I didn't know the information because clearly I did. I just needed more time. Um, And so that's, you know, why my therapist had asked um, that and suggested that I get evaluated. My tutor, um, he was very encouraging. And he's like, you know, a lot of people, when they feel and they're that close, they go to retake it within a week or two and they pass because it's not that you don't know the information. Every time you take the exam, it's different. The questions are not the same. The content obviously, you know, touches on the same material but the way that they ask it and things like that is it always changes and so on his suggestion he's like so if I were you you know I would try to reschedule it while the information is fresh um and so I'm like okay so I rescheduled it for like five days later I took the weekend to refresh up on some of my weaker areas and I'm like you know what I got this you were so close you know this you can do it y'all that was like not the right thing to do, um, at least not in that time, because that third attempt, I'm sitting in the exam room, and it was like the complete opposite from the second. I was not calm. I was so anxious. My heart was racing the entire time. I'm staring at the clock. I'm paying more attention to, you know, how much time I have left or, you know, how many questions they might ask me. It was just my mind was preoccupied. And like I couldn't focus because I was so worried that I would run out of time again. So that time was not successful. Um, And at that point, I'm just like, okay, I have to try something else. And it was August. So I graduated in May and my nest egg, my savings that I had had at that point was gone because I had to, you know, pay bills. And I was actually paying you know, two mortgages, because like I said, I had planned to move and, you know, we had a house and everything. So I'm paying two mortgages. My savings is gone. And um, my program director, she's like, you know, third attempt, 
you only get four attempts in a year. And so if I had retaken it and I was not successful, I couldn't retest until a year. And so just grappling with that, I'm just like, okay, okay, I can't just power through this. I have to really figure out what life looks like going from here. Um, And that is something that I'm still figuring out. I ended up taking um, some travel contracts and, you know, going back to the ICU and working to pay my bills, um, trying to get caught up on bills and things like that. That August, my home flooded twice. And so like that was a whole other thing. And just still kind of trying to move within life and take it as it comes. And then addressing my mental health. And just figuring out how to restructure my life. I was living out of boxes. We were packed up. It's like, okay, now we got to unpack. And that was August. And then October comes. And then November. And now it's winter and it's cold. And all my summer stuff is um, here. And all my winter clothes are packed up in boxes at my house in, like, another state. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like, okay. How do I figure out what to do? Do I buy new clothes? Because I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Um, And then around the holiday times, around November, I finally gave myself permission to just breathe. Because thinking about it, I'm like, yes, this is important and this is present. But there are other things that are important. My family is here. It's the holiday time. I'm working because to me, it's like work became my next thing. So it's like, okay, sooner I can work a lot of shifts to save a lot of money, then I can go back to studying full time so I can pass my test so I can go on with my life. And again, it just it wasn't very balanced. And so giving myself that permission to slow down, I'm not going to study. I have been studying and working and doing and multitasking for years, for over a decade, can I give myself the gift of just focusing on one thing? And that one thing is just being, being a person, being a person who has a loving partner, being a person who hasn't really seen or connected with her family in the last decade. Because my family will tell you, they'll call me and it's like, well, I get all these voicemails. Like, I know you're busy, but you're probably at work. But there's this thing that's going on. If you can make it, if you have time, no big deal if you can't. Love you. Hope to see you soon. And it's like, I have time now. I didn't plan to have time, but I have time. And I have the freedom to choose how I spend that time. So I want to spend that time giving back to the people who have always been there and shown up for me and has supported me in and through my life. I want to use that time to delve into more creativity. There's a lot of passion projects and hobbies that I love to do that I hadn't gotten a chance to do in the last, you know, three to five years in pursuit of my education. Because if I wasn't at school, I was at work. And if I wasn't at school or work, I was taking a nap so I could recover and get back up to going to either school or work. And I gave myself that gift through the holidays in January And then February, I began to start to try to formulate a plan on, okay, how do I move forward? Life is present. I have bills. You know, 
Um, we were trying to figure out life. I think it was maybe end of October. No, it was November. It was around Thanksgiving that I had received notification that the job that I had lined up and that was secured had basically let me go because they needed a provider and I kept, you know, having to push it back. And eventually it got to the point, it's like, I can't give you a time. I can't give you a destination because I just, I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to be able to be there. I just know that I want to be there, but I can't be there because I'm here. And um, it definitely felt like a blow because I'm just like, I'm losing everything that I've worked so hard to gain. And it's like slowly but surely, like quick scene, like everything is starting to slip through my fingers. And it's like, okay, okay, it's okay. You'll be okay. We'll be okay. <laughs> we'll be okay, right? <laughs> and so we get to February and um, it's like, okay, what does this look like? to start to restructure and kind of plan, but not in the same rigid way. How can I plan to start to make steps that feel unrestricted, that doesn't feel so encumbered to where I can't breathe, Um, which has been hard because again, I've been told and I've been taught this whole time that it's all or nothing. It's either this or that. You can't do both. You can't be both. You got to either be here or there. Um, And so for me, around that time, February is when I made the choice where it's like, I'm going to be where I am unapologetically. Doesn't matter if I've passed or if I failed, if I'm here or if I'm there, if I am still working as a nurse with the degree that I have and the credentials that I have, or if I'm working as an advanced practice nurse with the degree that I have obtained, either way, I am going to be okay. I am okay. And I'm going to live. And just giving myself that permission to not compromise on my health and my well-being and pinpointing what that looks like. I need joy. I need space and creativity um, around the same time of me losing my job was when I had the opportunity to get my psychological evaluation after you know being waitlisted for a little bit. And it turns out I do have ADHD. And I learned that lots of women, unfortunately, are undiagnosed or underdiagnosed, especially Black women, um, just for lots of reasons. Um, and so that was validating to me in a lot of ways because it explains so much of what I experience on a daily basis without me having to feel guilty for it. It's like, well, why can't I, you know, just knock out several tasks like everybody else? Why do I have to rely so much on lists or why do I have to, you know, rely so heavily on my support system to help keep me accountable for, you know, almost the entire 32 years of my life? I felt the shame for just not being able to be normal. Well, everybody else can do it. Well, why can't I? Well, it's like, you know, I know I'm not lazy, but it's like, why can't I just get it? Um, and not only do I have ADHD, I have a specialized type where basically like my process and the way that I process information 
is a lot different than other people. And that was key to me, especially in regards to me taking this exam and being able to request the accommodations that I need, because it's like I am fully capable of making decisions and formulating ideas. But the way that my brain processes it is different than what other people would consider quote unquote, normal or standardized. And so most standardized tests, they will give you a set amount of time for what they think the average person will take to read a question, understand the question, synthesize that information, and then come up with an answer. And these are high level questions. And I just don't fit those lines. My brain doesn't fit that box. I need more time to process that information and take it in and make it meaningful before it's like, okay, now I can move forward and I can make this decision. And then once I get past that step, I'm usually a lot quicker than my peers because I've taken the time to break down the information. And because I'm so um, focused in other ways, I'm able to make detailed and associations that most people wouldn't. Because whereas a lot of people's like, I can get started faster than you, but then I'm having to stop at different points. And now I got to add something else. Well, I didn't consider that. I'm having to change a lot. Whereas me, I'll start from the beginning. Okay, what do I have? What do I know? I'll pinpoint the problem points. And then once I move and I start to act, it's streamlined from there. And that's the way that my life works. When I don't have time constraints and when there's no pressure That's exactly the way that my brain operates. But me, in an academic sense, trying to force myself to think the way that people told me, like, you have to think this way because this is the way that it is, it's like I struggled. Um, And so now that I have that piece of information and I've allowed myself that freedom to just breathe and say, you know what, this is going to be a process and I don't know how long it's going to take. But these are the things that I need at a bare minimum. And I am currently living in a state where I have, you know, more structured time, but then I have unstructured time, which is what I need. I can't sustain my attention, you know, for too long. My body has to move. My mind needs something else to be able to focus on in order for me to be successful. And also taking into account that it's like my brain has experienced trauma. And so that's an added barrier in some regards that I have to consider in learning when my body and my brain is tired and honoring that and not feeling ashamed or guilty that that's what it is and that's what I need. And I have gotten to a point where I'm more comfortable sharing my story with my close, you know, friends and associates, because it did definitely get to an awkward point where people started to ask, like, oh, I thought you moved. Are you back? And it's like, mm, something like that. Um, <laughs> or like my classmates might randomly say something or share something on Facebook just with the assumption, like, well, we all passed, like we're all at this point. And it's like, not all of us. Um, and learning to be okay with that which is not something that I think society teaches because a lot of it is black or white, is this or that, it's here or there. Um, But it's not a lot of now and the uncomfortableness that we feel in life is usually focused on, okay, how do I get out of it? Not how do I learn how to live through it? 
And so for me, that is what being unapologetically in progress is, is accepting the reality of where I am and then also owning the fact that I can still be here and I can want to be somewhere else and I can still be a whole person in and through this entire process without feeling like I have to earn the right to be exactly what I am. Mm. 